WQAD Podcast Network. Piping hot and fresh off the grill. Welcome to Let's Taco About Food. Chatting local favorites and hidden gems. Here's your host, Taco Tori. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Tori Philbin with WQAD. Joining me is Brandon Carlton on this episode. Um, So Brandon, you are with QC Mexican Food, and it's pretty much a guide to all the Mexican food restaurants in the Quad Cities. Um, Why don't you talk about that for a little bit? How did you get started with that, and how long have you been um, running this Facebook page for and website for? Sure, yeah. So uh, in about 2015, I... So I grew up in the Quad Cities, and I went to, um, I ate a lot of Mexican food growing up, but I went to, um, uh, actually I grew up maybe, uh, let's see, like five blocks away from the state where we're sitting now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went to Mexican restaurants, but not that many different ones. And then uh, about, I don't know, maybe like 2012, 2013, a good friend of mine um, who helped me start the website, his name is Jake. He took me to a restaurant in Davenport, which is also a grocery store. It's called La Finca. And uh, my mind was absolutely blown uh, uh, how authentic it was and how, um, I mean, just how good the food was um, and affordable. And so I was kind of like, this is ridiculous that I lived here for, I was maybe 25 at the time. And I was like, this, can't believe I've lived here for 25 years. I didn't know about this place. Uh, and so then I thought, how many other people don't know about this place? And sure enough, mm-hmm. I'd ask around, and no one had uh, heard of it. And I, I mean, of course, there was enough people eating there to keep them in business. So that people had <laughs> known about it. Just my circle uh, didn't know about it. I guess is one way you could look at it. Um, but I figured that my I figured that my circle kind of was representative of a lot of people in the in the um, Quad Cities. So. We uh, set out to discover every Mexican restaurant in the Quad Cities. There was about a uh, three-month period there where I ate Mexican food almost every day. Uh, <laughs> as long, you know, we we or we would we'd get paid and then we would eat until we ran out of money. Um, it was simpler times. We didn't have, uh, um, you know, homes or mortgages and kids sure. and things like that. So it was a lot easier. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, we ate at every Mexican restaurant, which at the time there was 45 of them. Um, uh, and yeah, so we catalog, we created a system to rank every single one um, on different um, different categories. And so we ate at each one and uh, we would rank them. And then we put all those reviews. Also, there's just a lot of... Um, inconsistent diff- different styles of mexican food mm-hmm. so like some have um uh this y- there's i won't name them all but we ate at, at least 10 of them that have the i know it sounds like it's not it can't be true but they have the exact same chips and the exact same salsa interesting yeah so like they just get them from wherever like a, a, some sort of food provider that uh-huh. brings that in and then there's other ones where you go and you can tell they make it fresh um and so just looking at different things like that and and categorizing and organizing it into a um uh a nice looking website was the idea and um yeah so we did that that was about um four or five years ago now Wow. Yeah, yeah, I did look at a little bit of uh, the reviews, and they all looked pretty good. Um, what would you say would be the hardest part of writing each 
review or what's uh, uh, what's the most unique part of each review? Is there a certain part you were looking for yeah. to make each review stand out? Well, so the hard part is is that um, there. Well, it's so uh, subjective. We try to be as objective as possible, but it really, at the end of the day, is just subjective. Um, so there were some. Pl- there are a few places that I would never recommend to anyone. Mm-hmm. However, someone might listen to this, and that could be their favorite restaurant. You know what I mean? So <laughs> sure, it's like, sure, so sure. like it's it's really subjective. Um, but for the most part, we were trying to um, delineate between two styles of Mexican food. And just to be blunt, like one of them is catered towards white people, mm-hmm. and we could talk a little bit about the history of that and like where that comes from, if you want. Yeah, and then absolutely. The, and then the other one is trying to be more authentic. So there's like Okay. These two kind of styles, um, and and honestly, I love uh, just to like explain what I mean. Like the the more or the less authentic, I should say, is the kind of stuff where there's a lot of cheese sauce involved, and a lot of melted cheddar, and a lot of. Um, like those, like your uh, chimichangas and things like that. Oh, you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am not trying to say that the less authentic stuff is bad. I love that kind of stuff. Um, but there, that was a lot of what we were trying to do with the reviews is that we all, um, at least growing up in, in, you know, as a white person in the Quad Cities, I had been to many of those restaurants that served the less authentic stuff. And so um, we really wanted to draw attention to uh, the more authentic restaurants that were serving up culturally authentic food. Uh, and so that was the, a lot of the, the goal of the reviews was to review those places, the authentic places, and sure. draw attention to them. Um, so, yeah, that was the, the hard part was maybe just trying to not be too mean and not to, you know what I mean? Like right, These are yeah. all local. My dad owned it, still owns his own business, has owned a business here locally for uh, 40 years. So I know what it's like to own your own business. Um, so I didn't want to disparage restaurants too much. But uh, at the same time, I wanted to be, um, if we just gave everyone a five-star review, then your opinion starts to, like, mean less and less, you know? Sure. So uh, we wanted to be honest uh, in our reviews, too, though. Um, and and you've given uh, suggestions in some of these reviews too, because I or I I remember doing a uh, food blog a little bit while back, and yeah. um, and I was trying to be you know, like I didn't want to be too subjective but objective, but I'm I'm pretty much a food person. I like food. I think pretty much any food is good, um, and I would write about any local place in the Quad Cities, yeah, where I would eat at, and um, it's just yeah, I would you know write these reviews kind of and. Wanted to make them good because, you know, didn't want to hurt the business or anything yeah. like that. Um, but I know I was told um, by a former coworker of mine um, to write maybe some suggestions to help mm. the restaurant improve. So yeah. I'm not sure if that's anything you've done, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, but it's, it, I, I also, you, you have this other challenge of you representing, uh, um, you know, a new station, whereas I think there is something in the world, the world of food review, where you can, uh, there's a little bit of fun to be had, and some people are like to read the reviews that maybe get a little, not offensive, but they're a little cutthroat and a little like. So I, I would actually. I don't know if I ever gave suggestions, but I, I would sometimes get a little brave and say some something that's a little like I don't know. Not offensive is the wrong word, but something that's like re- really honest and blunt, and and sure. also I always most of my reviews I try to um, have a little bit of uh, humor involved. Uh, my style of writing is usually a little uh, tongue in cheek, but um, 
but yeah, no, I, I've I, so I've worked in the food industry, and so I th- there's some things that I just like call out like, hey, I know that this is not like up to like the sanitation like guidelines and things like that. Um, but no, I've never really given suggestions mainly because. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't want to. I, I was thinking about what it would feel like for me if, if I was working and someone gave me a suggestion, if it was like my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't want to hear those things probably. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's totally understandable. Um, and then talk about, um, talk about like the history that you wanted to go into yeah. about the immigration and stuff like that. I'd like to hear about that. Yeah. I'm sure our listeners would like to hear about that too. Yeah. So there's two pieces of the history. Um, one is why is like, why do we have, uh, the number of, like, why are our populations numbers, what they are for Hispanic Latino population. But then the other one is more national, uh, which is, um, why, how the taco got introduced to America. Um, so I'll, I'll do the, the local history piece first. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, so they both, both topics <laughs> sound good. <laughs> so uh, from the, there's, you can do this, um, all this research. Most of this research is stuff that I found just through Google searches. Um, and some of it's through talking with, so when we did these, ate at all these restaurants, we usually would talk to the owners, which was really good because we get to know their story and get to know how they, um, why they came to the area, where they came from. Um, if they immigrated, and then um, what they, m- no one just moves to th- an area and starts a restaurant. That's right. like, the, you know, that's not how it works. They have to, you know, find uh, a job first and then save up, and then they go into the food industry. But um, so it was, just, yeah, it was cool to get to hear everyone's story. But so the, um, in uh, 1915 or 1917, wherever, like, the, uh, during World War One, mm-hmm. there was a labor shortage, and so the main industry at that point in time was uh, the railroad industry. And uh, the Quad Cities has a lot of rich railroad history, and this is part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on both sides of the river, so there was the um, uh, rail yard in East Moline, Silvis area. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so a lot of uh, there's a really big labor shortage, so there was a lot of um, there was a few people living here at the time that had immigrated from. Uh, Mexico, I think Guanajuato is the area, uh, and they sent word back home, mm-hmm. and then a lot of their family members immigrated up here wow. to work at the rail yard in uh, East Moline. But then there's also on the other side of the river uh, in what's Bettendorf, I think at the time, I think it was had been incorporated by now, but it was called the Bettendorf Company. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this, you know. Interesting. The, uh, I think it's John Bettendorf that owned basically... Um, you know, half the quad cities in the early 1900s. But um, so they made uh, the undercarriages that the, um, the like iron and steel uh, undercarriages that the train cars would sit on. So uh-huh. that would, and again, la- there's a labor shortage. So they also, same, same story, a lot of um, immigrants came to fill that labor shortage in, the, uh, in World War I. They actually had this thing they called the Holy City. So right across from the factory, so there's the factory, the railroad tracks, and then right across from that was uh, a makeshift town that they used uh, rail cars for. This is... Wow. This is hip in 2019. Sure. <laughs> so, 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 you know, you see those, they take the, like, shipping containers and build homes out of them. They were doing right. this 100 years ago. Uh, but so they would, uh, they had, like, a little town there with 
um, you know, stores and like a little micro economy. But it was all made up of employees that worked at the factory. And uh -huh. it was almost, I'm pretty sure, all uh, Mexican immigrants. That's so uh, interesting, you yeah. know, that it's that it was hip, you know, about 100 years ago, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I mean, it was a, now it's a little more posh. I don't think it was ideal living conditions back then. But um, but yeah, so that was uh, and whenever you have a big influx of any, um, you know, nationality or ethnicity, you're going to they're going to bring their food with. So that's part that was one big uh, influx of immigrants from Mexico. And then the second one was actually World War Two. Mm -hmm. Not there was I don't think there was as much of a labor shortage, but this is a little depressing. There was a lot of people that passed away. Um, yeah. So that's part of it. And then also at that what was happening at the exact same time uh, and if you're interested in this kind of history, uh, there's a really good book called uh, The History of White People by, okay. by Nell Irvin Painter. Uh, as a lot of the Italian, German, Polish, Irish immigrants uh, left to fight in World War II and came back, there, this is like right at this kind of, um, this was his 40s, 50s, late 40s, early 50s, the civil rights movement was picking up. Mm -hmm. And so part of that was... Um, before World War War One, a lot of those European immigrants weren't white. They weren't considered to be white. Uh -huh. And then when they came back, part of it was fighting in the war, so they got a little respect. But um, there was also, because of the civil rights uh, movement picking up, uh, that was part of the history there. That It's kind of an ugly history, but uh, white people at the time that were... Anglo-Saxon, they like accepted a lot of these European immigrants into the fold. And so, and like, okay, you're white now, which meant that they could get access to other jobs mm -hmm. or quote unquote better jobs. And then that created a labor shortage because wow. they were working in all the factories. So in the, at that point in time, the Quad Cities, um, anyone that's, you know, over the age of 50 grew up knowing what the Quad Cities was like in the era of like factories. So right now we still have John Deere, but there mm -hmm. was um, IH Farmall, which was uh, in Rock Island. Okay. Um, there was Case, I think it's, yeah, Case, which was in um, East Moline. Both of those plants aren't there now. Uh, so there was a, a lot of factory, like manufacturing jobs mm -hmm. that opened up as all these European immigrants moved on to other jobs. Uh, so that in the 40s and 50s then was a really big influx um, of, of Hispanic Latino immigrants. Um, so that Definitely. those are kind of the two main like moments in history in the Quad Cities where we had that big influx happen. And mm -hmm. again, like I said, naturally with that, they, they brought their food. Wow. Yeah. And uh, obviously the rest of their culture, too. That's so cool. That's yeah. very interesting to learn about, you know. Yeah. Like, I've only been in the Quad Cities for about a little over a year now, so it's really... And now I'm just learning about the history, more yeah. history. So that's really that's really interesting to know about. And I'm sure for people who don't know the Quad Cities, you know, that's good for them to know before yeah. coming here <laughs> yeah. if they want to, you know, if they the, like learning all that history, so... This is a not food-related but this is an interesting tidbit from a factory town. Sure. There's these things. I don't know. Are you renting an apartment or you live in a house? Or uh, yeah, I rent an apartment. An apartment. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, there are these very specific things in, in, in cities across America called, they call them the Pittsburgh toilet. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> so this is a fascinating thing I learned about about the Quad Cities. A lot of uh, homes that were built like in from like 1920 to 1950 have these. Uh-huh. And so in the basement, it's usually an unfinished basement, and usually it has a side door that you go, gets you right into the basement, and uh-huh. there's usually a shower and a toilet down there. Uh-huh. And that's like uh, any factory town that had a boom around that time and built a lot of new houses usually also has that because people wow. they come home from the factory and wouldn't want to go through the home their home all dirty sure. so they go straight down after work and take a shower like into the side entrance um, interesting yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> thanks for sharing that um i was gonna say yeah that reminds me of um my boyfriend he works for a railroad oh, uh, really? for union pacific yeah okay. Um, and I know he always um, shower. He usually showers there, yeah. you know, because um, he didn't want to come home all dirty, you know, sure. if we were going out with plans. So that just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's not nothing like it was back then. I'm sure it's just like a regular shower or something like that. But that's just that was just a connection I had that just yeah. made me think about that. So. Yeah, that's cool that he works for the railroad. Yeah, there's so much um, history in the Quad Cities. That's a based off of. Uh, the Rock Island line is a still an active railroad line. Right. And then two is, um, yeah, all the factories, John Deere, obviously. But there was, like I said, two other. I think there was even more, but those are the mm-hmm. two. My grandpa worked for uh, um, IH Farm Mall. Uh, but, yeah, so they, uh, yeah, there's a lot of history that's tied back into factory life mm-hmm. in the railroad in the Quad Cities. Definitely. Yeah. Wow, interesting. And now um, talk about um, how about the... Uh, the taco in America. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is a um, classic. I don't know if you are like Mad Men or if you're listening and you're a fan of Mad Men, but this is a classic uh, 1950s marketing campaign of trying to. So uh, if you talk to anyone, especially an older generation um, immigrant that came from Mexico, they did not grow up, first of all, a hard shell a hard tor- tortilla uh-huh. that was not a, that's not a, a you know that's an american thing right, but right, then right. also meat in general so like a steak taco uh-huh generally especially like around in the 30s and 40s you had to be like an aristocrat to eat like you know sure. uh if you don't you don't have a lot of money you can't afford ste- meat in general but definitely like steak um, but so that idea of having a hard shell taco with ground beef in it, mm-hmm. with lettuce and tomato and cheese, that is, what is that? So those, if I say that again, beef, lettuce, tomato, cheese, what mm-hmm. does that sound like? Like a BLT, yeah, the cheese. Or, or like a cheeseburger. <laughs> right, cheeseburger, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was like a way that really that, and all in this like nice enclosed hard shell, uh, that was... Um, they used to call, they still have them actually, but it used to be a more, if you like Google this, you can find uh, the marketing images for taco kits uh-huh. that had all that stuff in it. Uh, and it was this idea of trying to introduce Americans to Mexican food was wow. that they're to borrow from the cheeseburger. Uh-huh. Because if you said make rice and beans or have uh, cabeza, which is uh, the head or like the, the yeah. jowls, you know, if you, to go eat that kind of meat, uh, you know, in the 40s and 50s, they would have looked at you like, you know, they like were, were crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were not going to, they're not that uh, food adventurous. So they had to borrow from the model of the cheeseburger. And so that's kind wow. of how uh, that has become such a popular thing. We call I call them church tacos because in church basements across the country, you could mm-hmm. still get those tacos on like 
wow. on, uh, I don't know, whatever, what they, on a weekly basis maybe. Um, that's growing up. I always had them in, the, in my, uh, the basement of my church. Or grandma tacos is another thing. My grandma would make them. Um, but yeah, that's such a, uh, uh, like it was such an impactful moment, I guess, of, of like how Mexi- Mexican food, A, if, you know, if they would have introduced it, it never would have, like, authentically, it never would have caught on. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's, I think in any city, it's usually, like, the most, you can't go, I, I've been in, like, a, a small town in northern Wisconsin with 3,000 people in it, and they have a Mexican yeah. restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, right. <clears throat> that's, like, a real common thing, uh, no matter where you go. So I think that caught on because they used that, that cheeseburger model. That's very interesting to... Um, think about too because you know I've eaten tacos you know my whole life and you know and I just never thought it would be like a cheeseburger pretty much yeah yeah it's pretty you put mu- some salsa on it, it's ketchup right yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so that, that's really interesting so um and then before we move on um so is La Finca pretty much your favorite Mexican restaurant to eat at? or? Um, so I, I go back and forth between three places. So one is La Finca. The other one is El Mexicano and Moline. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is Los Primos in Davenport. Uh, so those are my that, three. That's good, yeah. Yeah, those are my three favorite. Um, and I think they're the, those three in that order are on our website. Actually, I think it's Lo, El Mexicano, Los Primos, La Finca. And I think that's the order, but... Um, but yeah, that's my those are my go to. I work downtown Davenport now, so I'm at La Finca. I eat <laughs> there today. I eat there like you know two or three times a week, but um, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's close. But yeah, nothing nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So very convenient. All right, so thank you for uh, sharing uh, all this history with me. This is really interesting. Yeah. You know, um, is there anything else that you wanted to say about um, the Mexican food or um, the history behind it before we sign off? Um, yeah, maybe not. I guess uh, this idea of uh, going outside of your comfort zone, that's why we started it, uh, to get people in the Quad Cities. A, um, really, I'm, this doesn't even have to be that uh, self-sacrificial. Like I, You're going to go and eat amazing food if you go outside your comfort zone and maybe order something or uh, go to a new place that you haven't been to before. But then also, by doing that, you're supporting local businesses and not just a local business, but you're supporting a minority-owned local business a lot of times. And I think there's something really special about um, by taking a bite of a taco or a burrito or whatever it is that you're, you're eating and uh, realizing um, all the sacrifice that went into um, those families moving here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, uh, not to get too political, but to think about what is happening um, now uh, in the political landscape, but also we have so much of the Quad Cities. Uh, we have so much to thank this immigrant community for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really an exercise of um, even just being able to go out of your, like I said, go out of your own comfort zone and um, and... Uh, appreciate all the sacrifice and the struggle of being able to oh yeah I didn't tie this in I meant to a lot of immigrants even today I know a few they -hmm. came here and started working at John Deere Mm -hmm. or KSI or whatever and they then saved up money and sometimes worked two shifts they'd go and start their own restaurant too so they were um, anyone that owns a restaurant Mexican restaurant here locally has been putting in a lot of work um Anyway, yeah, I like that idea of biting into a taco and realizing and taking a moment to appreciate the history that has gone into like what made that taco possible here in the Quad Cities in 2019. 
That's really awesome. And then um, I just had another thing, too. Yeah. Um, so I'm planning, I'm doing like a little uh, kind of food for thought thing for each episode. Um, one of the questions could just be like, uh, what's your, uh, what's the best food you've eaten today? I would assume it's uh, La Finca, or yes. La Finca, right? Or Los Primos, or Los Primos, yeah, was no, it? La Finca, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the only food I've eaten today, so it's kind of, uh, but even if I had eaten other food, that would be the, the best food I, I would, yeah, La Finca's, uh, their barbacoa tacos are really good. Sounds yeah. good. I was going to say, the other question, uh, we kind of already talked about, you know, the closing thoughts behind that, so. Okay, so I also did um, a little bit of research. I saw um, on your page about uh, the largest burrito in the Quad Cities, and it used to be <laughs> um, at uh, Cactus Willie's in Milan. Did yes. I say that right? Yeah. Okay, and it was a three-pound burrito. Yeah. So the, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. That's a little bit of um, – so there is still a cactus restaurant, I think, in Milan, but they don't have that burrito anymore. Mm -hmm. That burrito was kind of like ahead of its time. Uh, now you see a lot of those hip food uh, like destinations where you come and you have like a contest to try to eat this giant thing. Um, so they don't have that anymore, um, unfortunately. But there are uh, actually, I think, El Mexicano, as far as I know, it has the biggest burrito I've ever had. Uh -huh. um, I'm a pretty big guy. I can only eat half of it. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, and it's like $6, too. It's really cheap. But, um, yeah, I think El Mexicano right now holds the um, the current title for biggest burrito. Nice. Do you know how many pounds it is? Or Oh, it's over a pound. I don't know how big it is. But, okay. Uh, it's like it <laughs> – let me put it this way. If you had it on a paper plate, Mm -hmm. it, you wouldn't be able to hold it. It would the paper plate would like crumble under its weight. Okay. Yeah, yeah like wow. it wouldn't, wouldn't hold it up. Interesting. Yeah. Um, there was actually a place in uh, I'm from Downers Grove um, in the Chicago area, and there was a place I used to eat in high school called um, Los Burritos Tapatillos. Okay. And they had a really big burrito too. I don't remember how many pounds it was. I think I'm, I'm sure it was at least over a pound. Yeah. And um, I remember uh, you could put cheese on top of that too. Oh, yeah. And I remember, you know, like I couldn't really eat barely half of it either. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right. Brandon Carlton from QC Mexican Food. Thank you for joining me today. And thank you everyone for listening and tune in next time for our next episode.